Hey, everybody. We had a great show. Uh, we got a great show in store for you. But uh, for all you normal show, uh, normal radio network listeners, we did run a little long. Uh, it's going to cut off right about uh, when I start talking to Addison DeMora of Steep Hill Labs. But you don't want to miss that interview. So uh, please download the entire episode at iTunes and check out hightimes.com slash freeweed to subscribe so that you will not miss uh, any of these uh, wonderful interviews. All right, Jack, take it away. Danny Danko on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how we grow. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. Presented by High Times Magazine. See me, I say, boom, bang. Big respect. See me, I say, Danny Danko. Thank you again, Shock and Windstrong, for that uh, lovely intro music. Uh, if that's in your head and you want to get that, we're going to have that. Uh, check out my Facebook. We're going to put that out there on iTunes for people um, so you can listen to it whenever you want. Uh, welcome to Episode 5 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. Uh, we're really excited about this episode. We have put something real, real nice together. We're going to get into some news and current events uh, and activism stuff. Our first interview is with uh, Debbie Goldsberry of the United Cannabis Collective, a longtime activist in the community and uh, basically a shining light uh, to all activists and how, how, to, uh, how to get things done. On all kinds of levels. And we're going to get into some cultivation. We're talking about the, the middle stage of flowering, about the second week to about the fifth or sixth week, that crucial, vital flowering stage where all the, the bulk and, and of your buds are being built. And we'll do our strain of the week and uh, take some questions from readers. As always, you can reach us at uh, Danny Danko on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Um, you can Twitter High Times. Our hashtag is just free weed. We want to get that up into the trending topic. So really excited. Uh, the interview after the cultivation segment is with Addison Demora of Steep Hill Labs. That's a laboratory that does gas chromatography testing of cannabis for THC, CBD, CBN, terpenes, pesticides, um, all kinds of interesting stuff. And he's basically a pot scientist. So we're excited to talk to him about that he talks a little growing too about how to grow really the most potent pot so uh and you know that's the way you're going to get free weed without any uh further ado as i always say um we are going to talk about some news and my producer mike hughes is here to uh help me out to, to wrap my mind around some of this stuff because uh, these things seem to be almost exaggerations or something. Uh, the first story, Mike, says that 90% of the massive amount of arrests in New York City for marijuana are black and Latino. Could that even possibly be accurate? Well, yeah, it is. It's actually not even a news story uh, about the 90%. Basically, there's an epidemic of pot arrests in New York City. And even though uh, marijuana is decriminalized in New York State, anything under 25 uh, grams is basically just a violation, punishable by a fine. Uh, there's still 
an unbelievable explosion of arrests within the city. And this started under Giuliani. And what he would do was he would use um, marijuana arrests as an opportunity to run people through the system. So if you got you know, popped right. with some pot, you were going downtown. They were getting your that's, fingerprints that's on file. That's to get file. the fingerprints on file. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, then, and, and Bloomberg, who is a smoker himself and admittedly enjoyed it, has allowed this policy to continue. And – this is a staggering number. 350,000 low-level marijuana possession arrests have been made in New York City since 2002. And the, and, uh, the New York Civil Liberties Union says New York City arrests and jails more people for possessing marijuana than any city in the United States and more than any city in the world. That's which, right. And then I mean, again, uh, on one hand, you have these outrageous number of arrests. But then the other issue here is that 90 percent, almost 90 percent of the people arrested in this city for marijuana possession, minor marijuana possession, are black or Latino. And so the story here, the new story, is that the city council of New York is uh, staged a protest about this policy. Now, part of the problem that they found was that when you have concealed pot in New York, it's only a, a violation, and that's where the fine comes in. However, if you uh, bring that pot out into the open, it becomes a criminal offense. Right, but the police are, are basically just telling people to empty their pockets and exactly. bring their pot so in It the doesn't open. matter if you just are brandishing pot or if a cop says, hey, you suspect, empty your pockets. It's still bringing pot out into the open, and that becomes a criminal offense. So what the city council is suggesting is why don't we make both the possession of concealed pot and marijuana out in the open under 25 grams the same violation? And that will hopefully free up you know, the court systems. We're wasting millions of dollars on, on bringing people to jail and, and man hours and all this. So why don't we, why don't we make these things equal, and hopefully that will uh, help taper off these pot arrests. Well, let's hope the mayor is listening. And, and, and big up Councilman Jumani Williams who, who spoke out and uh, – is aiming to change this obviously racially biased policy that they have. And uh, there's a follow-up story to this where parents, pot-smoking parents, are facing custody battles for their children here in New York. Uh, I mean, this is for small amounts of pot. They're taking people's kids away? Yeah, this one's pretty unbelievable. It's, it's basically just another way to punish people. And the idea is that if, you, if, a, if a cop comes to your house uh, for a reasonable reason and he finds marijuana, but he doesn't find enough to charge you criminally, there's a backdoor around this where they could still punish you by calling Child Protective Services and then having your children taken away. Mom. And a lot of the times these parents end up getting custody of their child back, but it, it takes a lot of time. They have to go through the system. It costs money, and sometimes they don't get custody right. back. And you're talking about for under 25 grams of right. pot, you could lose your kid. That's outrageous. And, and they're not doing this to rich people either. I mean this Again, is like – Again, it's mostly minorities just like with the, <sighs> the majority of pot arrests, and it's, it's another way to punish people basically. You know – uh, people a lot of times will, will tell me because I'm so uh, intense about this issue, well, why is it that important pot legalization? It, you know, you just want to smoke weed. Um, it's stories like this that, that make me and uh, realize and understand how important it is. It's, it, it's, it's a civil rights issue at this point. If you're going to have these policies that are just blatantly racist in New York City, and I'm sure it's the same in a lot of cities, uh, then – you know, it, it, it's a violation of our rights to to shoot our dogs, to raid our houses. It's a violation of our rights, and and that kind of segues into this next uh, story of Dennis Kucinich at 
uh, Seattle Hempfest. I gotta, I gotta compliment this guy. Um, people don't give this guy enough credit. This guy took the stage at Seattle Hempfest and explained his vision for a societal shift on marijuana policy. And, and part of what, what does he say needs to be done here, Mike? Basically, Kucinich is saying that uh, we need to look at. Uh, he calls it mass action uh, movements of the past, like the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King, like uh, Gandhi in India, uh, like uh, the women's suffrage movement. And basically, he wants uh, a mass action of marijuana activists, and he thinks that that's the way to bring about a change in the way that people think about pot. And he made this speech at Seattle Hempfest uh, last weekend. And it was very well received. I'm wondering, I wanted to ask you, why do you think uh, Kucinich – it doesn't really get as much, um, I guess, credit for what he does for the movement as, say, a Ron Paul, who's a, you know, also – Well, they're both congressmen. Lines. Dennis Kucinich is an eight-term congressman, and he's been talking this talk for a long time. I think part of it is he's not running for president right now. But he, um, he has in the past. He has in the past, and, and you know he needs more support because supporting a guy like that is going to pull a centrist kind of – person like the way Obama's been acting lately left and we need that because right now the pull is so hard right we really need somebody like Kucinich to to do this and and I disagree with Ron Paul on a lot of subjects including abortion including immigration and stuff I can't just throw all my energy behind him when I disagree with him on a lot of things and only really agree with him on just the drug war issue uh, I know I'll be taking a task for that, but that's okay. Uh, I think guys like Dennis Kucinich are a much more reasonable option for us. And even on the Republican side, uh, Gary Johnson, who has spoken out uh, clearly as well and was at the normal conference. I mean, these guys have have held office before, and they're not threatening to dismantle our whole government. They just uh, they want some changes, and they want us to get our rights back. So I, I really do appreciate uh, Mr. Kucinich for – Congressman Kucinich for doing that. Another interesting story this week that's basically just breaking right now uh, is this Elijah Wood thing. We put together a press release and put out uh, some quotes from his interview in our October issue of High Times Magazine, which is on newsstands right now. Uh, and, and immediately the press picked it up. We had Huffington Post. We got uh, page six at the New York Post. We've got uh, – just a bunch of blogger and celebrity bloggers and stuff. One in particular that kind of gets under my skin, though, is Perez Hilton. This this guy used our quotes uh, without citing any source. He didn't cite the post. He didn't cite us, and he cited nobody. Now, apropos of nothing, he just throws Elijah Wood quotes that he got from you know us without even a link back to our site or any kind of citation. Uh, Mike Hughes, man, what, what's up with him? I don't know, actually. I, well, I'm not even really 100% sure who this man is. Oh, yeah? Well, he's a blogger. He's a celebrity blogger. Yeah. He's and kind he's of got, known he's, as a little He's got of a you a little feisty. You seem well, a little feisty Well, you know what? Right I'm now. in a Twitter fight with him right now, and yeah. he's ignoring me. So I want my <laughs> listeners to get out there, too. Uh, we've got a hashtag, which is Perez, P-R-E-Z, Mencia, which compares him basically to Carlos Mencia stealing no, that's, jokes. That's low, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, I mean, and the guy hasn't responded. If I think rule number one of – not just journalism, because I wouldn't even consider that guy a journalist, but even blogging. Mm-hmm. Rule number one is cite your sources. Yeah. You know, link back to where you got these quotes where from. Where did these disembodied quotes come from? Like, yeah. how do you have them? Yeah, they're just hanging in the yeah. air on his site. Like, Elijah Wood said this today. To whom? Right. Where'd you get these things from? I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah, just yeah. common courtesy. And I think this dude, you know, right now he's ignoring me, but he can't ignore me for long, man. No, absolutely. I, I'm, yeah, I'm getting uh, the stoner army united against him. <laughs> Russ is retweeting. We're, we're going after him because that's not right. 
I agree. Now, Everyone Perez, else, if you're listening, uh, please Twitter fight with Dan. Yes. He's he's in a little Twitter bit of fight mood. with me. But like, let's get into a little Twitter. Let's get into it. But but you know, he's captured a certain part of the market. I can't hate on him for what it is that he's made his name doing, but mm-hmm. I can hate on him for not reciprocating. I gave you some quotes. Yeah. You know they're from High Times. You got them directly from us. Right. So cite the source. Put a link back to High Times magazine. Mention the New York Post if you can. I mean, that's just basic common courtesy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, he's my is, human. My feeling he's on my that? human paraquat of the week. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The buzzkill human paraquat, dude. Oh, right. is this a new Perez segment Hilton. we're going to be doing? It's a new segment we're doing. <laughs> the human paraquat Buzz, of the week. Human paraquat of the week. Perez yeah. Hilton. Answer me back, or Stoner Army will unite against you. Have these forces already started to mount? Is oh, absolutely. You go uh, on Twitter right now, they are like hammering a, Perez Hilton right now for not citing sources in that uh, egregious story that he put up about Elijah Wood, where he stole quotes from High Times Magazine without even referencing us. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's move on. What do, we got? what do we got next here? I think we're going to talk to business manager uh, Mike Sapphire. We're going to do a little bit of stoner sports. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, Mike. Glad to be here again, Dan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Thanks. A uh, couple of stories in stoner sports. Uh, one of them here is something about Zach Randolph, huh? Yeah, apparently. From the uh, NBA. Yeah, the NBA player Zach Randolph at, uh, had a party um, and then went back to his house with his friends. And they invited the guy from the party to come over as their weed dealer. And they disagreed about the price and decided to beat him. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, he actually went to the cops and said, hey, I was at this place selling them pot. And they decided to beat my ass because they were unhappy and they also stole the pot. Wow. (laughs) Wow. There's all kinds of things wrong with that story. I mean, first off, if you don't want to pay what the dealer is asking, just ask him to leave. (laughs) <laughs> you don't have to beat him with pool cues, man. That's that's pretty harsh. Yeah, that was a little and, extreme. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess it happened in his house. The guy says Randolph wasn't one of the ones beating him, but dude, you're responsible for your people and like, you know, keep your people in check, man. You're in the NBA. You want to smoke weed, smoke weed, but dude, you can't have police officers coming and investigating beatings over weed in your house, man. Uh, well, Zach Randolph's one of those guys that's always finding himself in the middle of trouble. Yeah, he's had some other stuff. A lot of these NBA guys have had some problems in the past, you know. But uh, you know, anytime marijuana and violence are, are are linked in the press, it's not a good thing. And I mean, beating a guy up over having over not agreeing with his pot prices is is really that's pretty messed up. So I yeah. don't know, not well, cool, Zach Randolph. The the other uh, sports and pot story in the news is more of a fun one. A couple Oregon Ducks football players. Got pulled over for speeding, right? And the cop came up. He smelled marijuana, and the response was, "We don't have any. We smoked it all." <laughs> That's probably not the uh, the best excuse you can give the cop at that point. The best thing is probably to just not say anything, uh, but deny having marijuana if it's all gone. You don't have to say you smoked it all. That's uh, admission of guilt right there. And these guys, one of the guys is like quarterback of the team there of the uh, Oregon Ducks, which is like, you know, top 10 in the yeah, college, they're, they're, college uh, football league, right? Perennially strong. But the the only uh, trouble that anyone got into was the driver of the car had a suspended license and it was a 
car that was registered to somebody else. And so no but, suspensions from the team or anything like that. No, no. Well, the, the coach said, "Hey, you know, we're not going to get anyone in trouble if they were just passengers in the car." But I think that's a pretty uh, a pretty clever response. You know, if there's no marijuana in the car, and yeah. if the driver uh, can pass the field sobriety test, which he did, and you know, and I assume would pass a, a tox screen too, then right, we smoked know, it all. Yeah. It's kind of a good little catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> we smoked it all. On a side note, too, um, I don't want to upset Russ Belleville, but how can you be afraid of a team called the Ducks? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the Oregon Ducks? They couldn't think of anything more fierce than that? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Ducks can get, they can I've get seen angry. Ducks, yeah, they I've snap. seen Ducks get angry and attack little kids and stuff. Yeah, I guess, I guess uh, they're a little fearsome. Thank you very much, Michael Sapphire, for the sports report. And... Uh, We are going to be back with Debbie Goldsberry after the break. This is Piotr Phenomenal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Did you know that more than 400,000 Americans were arrested last year for the possession of marijuana? People are being sentenced to up to 40 years for even standing beside a joint. Well, I think it is definitely time for you to help doing something towards this. To find out what you can do, just write normal, N-O-R-M-L. 1600 K Street Northwest, Washington, D.C., 2006. That's 1600 K Street Northwest, Washington, D.C., 2006. Help normal to help protect your rights. All right, we are back with uh, activist uh, and longtime cannabis uh, freedom fighter, Debbie Goldsberry. Thank you. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, Danny. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. You've been an uh, inspiration uh, to so many people, uh, myself in a in a huge way, um, as far as you know how to go about uh, being an activist, being an entrepreneur, and you know having a family, and and still being able to participate in you know the the whole cannabis movement. Thank you. It is definitely interesting to be fighting so hard and yet to be working on something that's so fun at the same time. I think it's uh, highly motivational. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's kind of my point sometimes with people. We don't have to be super serious all the time. We can still celebrate the plant because that's really what it, part of what it's meant for, you know? Yeah, I agree, absolutely. And you've been involved uh, with cannabis for many, many years with the Cannabis Action Network and Berkeley Patients Group. And now, uh, with United Cannabis Collective, you are the founder and director of United Cannabis Collective. Can you tell me a little bit uh, more about that? Yes. Well, with United Cannabis Collective, we kind of want to make a point. It's almost like a third generation. You know, we had our visionary entrepreneurs, one of which I was one, who really came up with this, Dennis Perone and some of the original people in the medical cannabis movement, who created dispensaries and made self-regulations when there were no laws in place. And then we kind of got the cannabis phase of the industry, which was almost a turnoff for a lot of people, um, because the cannabis—I guess the cannabis vibe—was sort of leaning away from the counterculture that we all feel so strongly about. So, with the United Cannabis Collective, we specifically want to make a point 
that we need both. We need to be visionary activists and we need to be cannabis business people combined together. And it's the coming together of two worlds that's going to create the new generation of medical cannabis. But this industry really has to be based on helping people, being good people and working for you know, sustainability both in the medical cannabis industry, but for our patients and our members and the people in our communities. Yeah, well, I've been I've been quoting you a lot uh, lately about that whole issue of self-regulation of the industry, and I think um, in talking to you that that really came across to me as something that's very important for us in order to avoid all of these sort of nightmare scenarios of, uh, you know, Marlboro or or pharmaceutical companies and all these things, all these big, giant, moneyed interests coming in, or even the politicians, you know, with all their regulations and stuff, coming in and and regulating us and telling us what's what. Actually, your solution to that uh, is is a brilliant one, in my opinion, and it's it's self-regulation. And I think, uh, could you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, well, a lot of people know and a lot of people don't realize that many industries are self-regulated. The government doesn't regulate everything, uh, and a lot of times the self-regulated industries are sort of the more difficult industries, skydiving or deep-sea diving, emergency rooms, and even electricity with the UL. They're all actually regulated by nonprofit 501c3 organizations that set standards and license um, companies uh, and, and give consumer confidence and give the government confidence that the product or the service is legitimate and safe. I believe medical cannabis is poised to be a self-regulated industry. The government wants it regulated, but they don't want to do it. Self-regulation is the way we need to go forward. We did start a self-regulatory group called the Medical Cannabis Safety Council. And after really looking at the industry for about a year and a half and working with people from other self-regulated industries, even pharmacy and plant medicine, we concluded cannabis really... You know, it's very safe as a medicine. This isn't high pharmacy. It's a safe plant that grows out of the earth, 10,000 years of experience. But we can really focus on self-regulating a few areas, nomenclature, um, contaminants, you know, what's, what, what products are safe to use, what aren't, what's on our no list, and how do we enforce a no list. Potency monitoring, how strong is the stuff, um, and safe handling processes of the cannabis, be it in a dispensary where people are handling it, before it gets to a patient member or in a cultivation facility or a bakery. These things are within our grasp to self-regulate ourselves. Now, creating one of those 501c3s, self-regulatory organizations, that's not that easy. It's a lot of process, and it's going to take a lot of money and all of us putting our heads together in one focal point to get that done in a big way. And maybe we don't need to do that yet, although I'd love to, but maybe our priorities are better spent. But the dialogue of self-regulation is out there now, and we see these amazing pockets of self-regulation happening right now. We're taking charge of our own future. Although that's great, and I think that's uh, we can't overemphasize that uh, aspect. And I also noticed that you are writing an online column for us at High Times Magazine, and uh, the first one I just saw online is about sensible cannabis use. Now, this is a way that pretty much any cannabis consumer can sort of live by a, a pretty, you know, uh, simple set of rules, um, you know, regarding their own personal use of cannabis and being more sensible about that in order to sort of help sway the, 
you know, the people out there who maybe don't consume cannabis and, and are a little bit afraid from the propaganda and, the, and things that they've heard, um, what are some of the, what are, what are some ways that people can use cannabis sensibly? Well, first of all, we need to do a cannabis campaign about sensible, you know, it's a PR campaign. Citizens and voters in the U.S. need to get a new picture of the cannabis user in their head. And, it, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, okay, maybe, but it doesn't seem like that's where we're at right now. You know, tune in, um, you know, turn on and drop out. No way. We need to save our planet. And I think the medical cannabis user, by, by just changing the way we talk about ourselves, yeah, I'm a cannabis user, but I'm a sensible cannabis user. Even interjecting sens- sensible use into the dialogue is enough to start a new picture in the mind of the voters. So the sensible cannabis use guidelines are guidelines we all follow, but it provides a way for people to articulate them in kind of something that you could uh, you could repeat back to your friends. You know, you don't use cannabis in a way that that's unsafe. You don't want to uh, use cannabis while you're driving. That's pretty basic, sensible stuff. Model good you good um, you know model proper behavior for new users. We have to teach people that you can't, you know, try cannabis for the first time, run out the front door and, like, take off your clothes and streak through the streets. That's just not going to work. Um, it's a model responsible behavior. So it's common sense um, tips for cannabis users and, and mainly so that we can articulate them to people that we need to talk about sensible cannabis use with. Be it somebody that we know in our life that, that maybe isn't on the right path with cannabis. Maybe they've chosen to use cannabis in a way that's not contributing to a healthy lifestyle. Uh, then we'll have a way to talk to people about that, too. So I think it's uh, uh, important for the cannabis users to start to articulate who we are, you know, to come up with the new slogan, um, you know, what's our three, you know, if we're not going to be sex, drugs, and rock and roll anymore, hey, those are all good things, but there's probably something new we want to say right now. So uh, I'm hoping the High Times, you know, you know, the High Times readers and the other cannabis activists, really we can put our heads together about this positive PR campaign for cannabis use and put a new spin on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm definitely, uh, definitely in agreement with that. Um, also, you've you've been to a few events of ours, uh, including the Cannabis Cup, several times in Amsterdam. Um, we've got a new one coming up uh, in Detroit in October, and then we're going back to Amsterdam. But uh, what do you think about like this whole you know Cannabis Cup in America thing that we've got going on? I am so excited about that for so many reasons. One, oh, I hate that flight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God. The cannabis movement has come back to the, to America. Um, 13 hours on the airplane is always the hardest part of the cannabis. <laughs> you know, once you get there, it's just a joy. You're in Amsterdam, um, and you're there with all your friends from high time. Um, I think the cannabis movement has moved to the United States, that, that the laws have changed here and that the activists have gotten together to create a new reality for cannabis in the U.S., and it makes perfect sense that High Times Cannabis Cup comes here. The finest cannabis in the world is being produced in, in the United States for medical cannabis patients, and with High Times readership, uh, they, they deserve to have the best information about what's happening with the industry. So what I found with the Cannabis Cups, it's like all in one. You can go to the Cannabis Cups, and you can, you can find out what's the latest products in the industry. You can meet all the nonprofit coordinators, and you can find out more about medical cannabis and the dispensaries themselves. So I think it's sort of a, one of the best things we have going in the movement as an educational tool and someplace where we can get together and just, you know, just have fun. You know, euphoria actually means to be normal. So, um, so the High Times Cannabis Cups are a great place where people like me can come to feel normal. So thank you. <laughs> 
Well, um, thank you very much, Debbie. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you've been a shining light in this industry for and in this movement for so long and uh, really at the forefront uh, in, in every step that you've taken has, has sort of led us to where we are now. And, and I really appreciate it. Um, how, how do people find out more about United Cannabis Collective or, or how can they uh, get in touch with you? And we're, well, we're just getting started with our collective and our website. Uh, well, it definitely is just a placeholder. People can go to um, unitedcannabis.org and find us there. And we have an active Facebook page, too. So United Cannabis Collective is on Facebook, as well as me. Please find me on Facebook, anybody that's listening. Um, Debbie Goldsberry, D-E-B-B-Y. And uh, I'm looking forward to interacting with people. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Hopefully uh, see you soon as well. Nice. Thanks. It's been fun. All right. Thank you very much, Debbie Goldsberry. What an activist and what a, what a great person she is. I, I love talking to her. Um, when we come back, we have live in the studio comedian Rob Cantrell of Last Comic Standing and the Marijuana Logs. Thanks a lot and stick with us. The High Times Medical Cannabis Cup is coming to Detroit on October 15th and 16th. That's right. The world's premier medical marijuana competition will be in Motown to celebrate the cannabis economy of the Great Lakes State. It's a two-day expo at Birch Warehouse Theater, showcasing the movers and shakers of the Michigan medical marijuana industry and the merchandise that makes the machine go. Be there for an amazing Saturday night VIP party featuring top musical performances and special guests. Best of all, High Times will award the Medical Cannabis Cup for top indicas, sativas, hybrids, concentrates, and edibles entered by Michigan's dispensaries and collectives. Come to Burt's Warehouse Theater on October 15th and 16th. Visit MedCanCup.com for all the details. Celebrate cannabis in Michigan. Celebrate the resurgence of Detroit. Be part of the growing cannabis community. And we're back, and we are talking right now with comedian Rob Cantrell. How are you, Rob? Good, man. How's it going, Danny? Great, great. Good to uh, have you on the show. You're a longtime friend of High Times. You were uh, originally brought to our attention from your appearance on Last Comic Standing, which I think was that the first season of Last Comic Standing? You're right. Yeah, that was the very first season. That they ever had the show, uh, I think it was 2003. Wow. Is and it I fair was to very s- young in my career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You, is it fair to say you were, you were stoned uh, in some of those episodes? Oh, very much, yeah. <laughs> uh, very much. I mean, uh, <laughs> cannabis is definitely uh, a part of, uh, I don't know, with stand-up with me, I think as pure stand-up goes, I don't, I don't understand comics that don't smoke weed. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, w- I was uh, pretty high probably during that whole process. I actually, yeah, this is a funny story. This is a true story. I smoked a joint in the line waiting to go into audition <laughs> the very first wow. season. Oh, very, what is, yeah. That is funny. Um, you also uh, distinguish yourself as one of the marijuana logs. You've been keeping that tradition alive. Uh, uh, along very with, lucky, yeah, yeah. Along with Doug Benson and Tony uh, came in and... Uh, Arge Barker and uh, Tony Green, Arge Barker, Kameen. Doug Benson. Yeah, it's a yeah. play called The Marijuana Logs, and those guys started it totally and wrote it. And it, but it was off Broadway here in New York for over a year. Yeah, 
And I would play here, and I knew Arge and Tony from the Bay Area. I started stand-up in the Bay Area. And those guys were like the older comics in the area, and they were kind of making some serious moves. But they were always cool, and they're all stoners. They're all West Coast, like totally down for weed. And I always got along with them and always showed up at those shows and hung out and knew them. And then Arch couldn't make a date, and Doug uh, Benson uh, referred me, and I just filled in for him a couple times, and then it just worked. And then Arch and Doug got so big that they just didn't have time to do the play anymore. But Tony was just – he's more of a comedy writer. He's, he's here in New York, and he uh, – Likes to do the play like every so often. So we always have a good show. That's a fun time. Oh, nice, nice. And uh, you've actually, in the past couple of years, you've come on a number of these trips with us uh, to Amsterdam for Cannabis Cup. And then uh, you were totally out in uh, San Fran hosting our award show and stuff. Uh, I've been blessed. You guys have been super <laughs> cool to me. And it's been nothing but an honor to, uh, you know, just be. You know, in the friendly handshake of high times, you know, the early on in my career, you guys helped me out. Danny, you were the, one of the first cats that got me uh, an interview in the magazine. And then from there, I just built up a cool relationships. And uh, I did a f- show for Bobby Black. And then I, that was for a pro pot rally here in New York. And then I went to Amsterdam with you guys, which was just blew my mind. If you ever get a good <laughs> chance to go to a cannabis cup, go to a fucking cannabis cup, <laughs> especially in Amsterdam. Amsterdam... And I've been around, and the Bay Area is cool, and, you know, all these dispensaries nice, but those are straight-up coffee shops. Like, you could just walk in and roll a spliff, like, no stress. I mean, you could kind of do that in Cali now, but you, there, it's just, it's a little bit more civilized, and I enjoyed that. Because yeah. you know I'm kind of civilized. <laughs> <laughs> very, I keep it civil. Very <laughs> Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, it's been exciting because you've been along for the ride and seen these things go from Amsterdam only to America. And uh, you're going to be involved in our Detroit Cannabis Cup coming up. That's uh, October 15th and 16th, right in Detroit. And That's going to be so sick, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because really the point we're trying to make here is everybody's talking about unemployment and job creation. There is no industry as strong as medical cannabis and the way it is in michigan right now with all the boarded up buildings and everything you know they've been on a little bit of a downturn obviously economically but here's a business that will bring jobs it will create you know not it's only such an easy equation oh, man, man. It's yeah such and michigan e- already has that tradition yeah uh, ann arbor yeah, yeah they've had the hash bash for 40 years in farming you know yeah, and they're farm yeah there's farmland uh all the whole mitten you know it's my mom's like a, from lansing michigan oh, i cool. used to go summers in like up by lake michigan like i got cousins and all, yeah my yeah. my cousin was just here and he was from michigan but i didn't know the pot thing was so huge there and you guys kind of opened my eyes like the last three years it's just yeah, it's really been you know an, an awakening in this country and around the world about the pop movement. Yeah, yeah, and really what we're trying to do with the event is uh, to celebrate those people who are pushing the envelope there with the dispensaries totally. and, and the caregivers and stuff, and also uh, you know show that hey the, these are job creators in the thousands of jobs you know, and here Obama yeah. is praising one factory with a hundred new jobs. We we. Our medical, can- the medical cannabis industry is thousands of jobs. All right, 
I got a little game we're going to play right now with you, Rob. It's called Ooh, cool, man. Stoner or Not Stoner. You've been around. <laughs> you've, you've met some of these, uh, you know, highfalutin, uh, you know, celebrity types. And I, I, I want the inside scoop or your thoughts on uh, whether these people are stoners or not stoners. Oh, this will be interesting. <laughs> How about uh, David Letterman? Stoner or Not Stoner? I would say... I think he's a. I don't know, man. He's he's a fortress, and I'm I'm around comedy a lot. I definitely think he used to blaze early in his career, just because how surreal and lucid his humor is. But I don't know now because he's just in such a high pressure position, and dudes are like trying to terrorize him, and shit's going down. <laughs> but I would say not a stoner would be my official okay. call. All right, David Letterman, not a stoner. But I think he's down for the cause. His band, dude, Paul, is definitely a stoner. Oh, yeah. Paul, Paul Schaefer is lit an, every night. He's, he's been known, lit since 72, he's a known man, stoner. with the MC5 smoking a joint. Yeah. I think uh, Conan's band is the same way. Yeah. I even I may or may not have insider information on both those bands. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ricky a lot Ger- of trombone players. <laughs> most trombone players are going to smoke weed. It's yeah. just a weird instrument. You got this thing, and it's a horn, but you slide it, and it makes a different sound. Like that's kind of a Dr. Seuss shit if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm out there. Uh, Ricky Gervais, stoner or not stoner? He's not a stoner. I don't not, think. Not a stoner. He's All too right. intense, man. All right. Uh, Sarah Palin, stoner or not stoner? Not a stoner at all. <laughs> Not a stoner at all. <laughs> she wants to fucking like stab rattlesnakes. <laughs> She's <laughs> she wants to fucking I don't know, man. That girl's all about. <sighs> it's scary, man. How much people are just into power and celebrity, and I don't know. She scares me. She's like a reality show. I don't know. All right, Pat Sajak, stoner or not stoner? Pat Sajak, definitely. All game show hosts got to be stoned to do that job. So I'd say Pat Sajak, and he was Wheel of Fortune, right? Yeah. Yeah. Stoner. Stoner. That would be a great <laughs> job. Just fucking, you have this hot chick turning around letters, and you just spin this funky wheel. Yeah, just man, <laughs> Go ahead, man. Do that shit. I don't give a shit. Was there any skill involved with the Wheel of Fortune, or did you just land on 500? Yeah. Well, you have to pick word. You have to pick a word, and then there was like, yeah, a, a statement or something, like yeah, a saying, like Mary had a little lamb, like yo, I want to buy a vial. Regis Philbin, stoner, not stoner. Regis Philbin, he's too intense. Not a stoner. Not a stoner. No, no. Katie he's Kirk. another one that should be. Katie Kirk. Katie Kirk from the Today Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 wow. that girl's, yeah, I think, like, when she gets away for the weekend, right. goes up to her little Hampton house, right. has a little cabana, she has a little secret stash, she's up there, invites <laughs> some dude over, has a 70s weekend, Nice. Well, she's maybe gotta, a swinging party. She's got to find ways to relax. You yeah, know, everybody she's up at three should. in the I mean, morning every day. I don't understand not smoking pot, but it does whack some people out, but life is stressful, man, you got to relax. Yeah. Stress is the number one killer out there, kids. Don't stress. Play Frisbee. Our latest issue here has an interview uh, but you gotta make by money. Dan Sky with Elijah Wood. Yeah, this interview's Check trippy. out this picture. Stoner or not stoner? <laughs> Huge stoner. <laughs> Huge stoner. If anybody wants to check it out, check out our website, hightimes.com. We've got uh, parts of that interview, some excerpted quotes 
from that interview uh, with Elijah Wood. He did the High Times interview. He's got this show called Wilford, which is a very, very stoner-oriented show with all kinds of references to pot. I've heard great things about that it's show. Funny. I want to check funny. it out. It's, it's on it, IFC, right? Yeah, uh, no, it's on FX, I think. FX. But it, it, it is funny. It's it's weird and it's funny and it's stony and it's, dudes pull bongs in it, right? Yeah, the dog smokes bongs and gets Elijah stoned and stuff. It's it's a really and Good. it's 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 kind of it plays some mind games with you too. But cool. Well, uh, yeah. thanks, Rob, for being on the show. I want to uh, thank you very much for coming on. Cool, cool. Uh, let people for know me, how baby. they can keep get in touch with you and know when you're touring, when you're in their town, or when you've for got sure. marijuana logs going on. And yep. I got uh, some shows in Washington, D.C. I know uh, the Marijuana Logs is coming to D.C. soon. I'm headlining at this place called the Riot Act Comedy Theater. It just opened up, and it's on 801 East Street, like right downtown in D.C., and it's really slick. They just had Paul Mooney there, and they're having really great comics come in. Tony Woods is another one, so I'm just plugging that gig. That's coming up in the second week of September. And then RobCantrell.com has all my dates and videos. I got a ton of videos on uh, YouTube, so yeah. please check it out. Cool. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, we Thank are going to take Danny. a break here. Uh, Thank you, Rob. And we will be coming back with uh, our cultivation segment. Hey, amigos. Nico Escondido, cultivation editor of High Times Magazine here. Are you tired of searching textbooks to answer one little grow question? Do your eyes hurt from hours in the grow room under those grow lamps? The last thing you want to do is pick up a book and start reading. Well, we have the solution. I'm proud to introduce to you High Times Presents Nico Escondido's Grow Like a Pro DVD with an easily searchable menu of over 60 DVD chapters covering indoor, greenhouse, and outdoor cultivation. All shot in HD, this unprecedented, never-seen-before footage of America's top medical marijuana production facilities includes all the tips and tricks you need to get growing. For more information or to buy this DVD, check out www.headshop.hightimes.com. All right, we are back. Thank you very much, Rob Cantrell. Um, now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, what you all came here for, the cultivation, the growing, all right? And uh, in keeping with our uh, theme here, where we've been, gone from germinating seeds and cloning into vegetative stage and then early flowering, now we're going to talk about the middle flowering stage, which uh, varies strain to strain, but is basically about the second to the sixth week of a typical eight-week strain. Uh, Sativa is obviously going to have a longer period of time here where they uh, go through this period. But the typical strain is about 60, 65 days. We'll call that about eight weeks. So this we're talking about the second through the sixth week. This crucial sort of month and a half period where the bulk of your weight is going to be formed onto the buds. And this is really, really vital and important that you treat the plants wonderfully during this time and you're you've shifted over at this point from a high nitrogen vegetative uh formula to something that's higher in phosphorus and especially potassium these are the nutrients these are the basic elements that are going to build buds build flowers and actually give you a lot of your essential oils and resins and things all the desirable stuff so when you're buying a bottle of nutrient uh, typically, they're going to have an NPK ratio. Uh, this one 
you know, a, a, a vegetative one would be, you know, 511 with higher numbers in the nitrogen part. A flowering one would be, you know, 155 with less nitrogen and more potass, uh, potassium and phosphorus, um, which are the P and the K. Uh, phosphorus is the P, potassium is the K. Um, this period of time is also a really good time for additives. Uh, these are like the sugar boosters, the carbo loads, uh, things of that nature that are going to really help you put on, pack on some weight, but also weight, more important than weight is essential oil production and, and sugar, uh, carbs and things like that are very vital for that. So any kind of additives that you have, this is a good time for that, as well as this is the most crucial period for supplemental CO2. So if you're using uh, CO2 tanks with gas or you're using a, uh, a CO2 generator, this is the time when you want to you know, really make sure you have 1,500 to about maybe 1,800 parts per million in your room, uh, you know, especially when the lights are on. But but throughout that, this period, the, the second through the sixth week or so. Uh, and you also want to focus on air circulation because nothing will slow down growth during this period more than just stagnant air. The plants are taking in CO2 and releasing oxygen at a, at a tremendous rate, and they'll quickly deplete the room if you don't have both air circulation and supplemental CO2. Um, if you're bringing in fresh air and it's three to 400 parts per million and you've got a lot of it and it's you know, free of pests and, and molds and stuff, you, you can get by on that and you will, uh, you will form plenty of bud uh, if you have that circulation. But you really want to make sure that uh, you never let the bud stagnate and sit uh, in air that's been depleted of CO2. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, with sativas, you, this period is a little longer and you don't want to uh, overfeed. It's very important, even though you're bulking up your plants and you're, and you're building buds and essential oils, uh, more nutrient is not the answer to more growth. Uh, if, you, if you go overboard, you will burn the plants and you'll see burnt tips start forming. If you have that problem, flush the plant out immediately uh, with plenty of fresh, plain water that's pH balanced and then start over with a much milder nutrient or even just let it go with the water for a couple of days to sort of recover from the toxicity that you've developed by overfeeding. And overwatering is a big deal at this point too. So you definitely don't want to overwater, but you, you, you do not want your plants to droop at all. You don't want the leaves going down or getting uh, any, kind of, any kind of indication of lack of water. So if you pick up your pots and they're super light, that's a that's a good indication that you need to water. Uh, if you pick them up and they're just as heavy as a little bit after you watered before, then leave them alone. Let them use the water that's already there in the pot and don't drown them. It's important. So that is really the two most important things you need to remember during this middle stage is uh, you know, switching over your uh, nutrients to a high potassium nutrient and supplemental CO2 and additives. Uh, that's what's going to be the difference between a heavy harvest or a light yield of uh, kind of wispy buds. And so that is middle flowering. And now we move on to our strain of the week. And today's strain, this week's strain, is going to be Nigerian. This is uh, available from uh, our buddy JJNYC over at THCFarmer.com. And this is an absolutely incredible African sativa. Uh, it's, 
its lineage is Nigerian silk crossed with an NL5 haze. That's a Northern Lights number five times haze. And the flowering time's a little longer, but it's really well worth the wait. This is that type of haze lover's sativa with uh, frantic fits of laughter and a real old school up high. Some people even call this amphetoweed because uh, they get like ra- their heart starts to race and they feel like it's the first time they got high. And a lot of Vietnam veterans and people who've who've done a lot of traveling really appreciate that African uh, you know genetics the the way it can just uh, really uplift you. Uh, it, it's really great, but it can also be a little paranoia. Uh, it can cause some people to react f- uh, in a funny manner because of its strength and because sometimes people aren't expecting it to be quite so racy. And so they start thinking that they're freaking out and having a panic attack when really it's just the incredible nature of, of African strains and Durban poison and Nigerian and, and things like that. They have this incredible trait of real just upliftment, which I think is great, uh, especially for medical patients. If you're treating depression, uh, seasonal affective disorder, PTSD, and uh, some forms of anxiety, um, this is a real rising high. That If you sit back and just enjoy the ride, you'll be fine. Just don't let yourself freak out. Um, yeah, and growing it's a little tough, t- tougher too. This is a long flowering sativa. This can take 10 to 11 weeks. Sometimes there's a couple of harvest windows. There's one at 10 weeks, one at 12 weeks that could really, really um, be amazing. And, and it's got that kind of kelpy flavor that you get from a real good haze. And I, I, I love the Nigerian. And uh, so if you can get your hands on some of these seeds, treat them nice. Don't overfeed. And you'll come out with something really nice. And, you know, it's manageable at this point. You're talking about 70 days or so flowering, which isn't much more than some of the indicas that are out there. And yet you get this incredible uplifting and outstanding high from it. So I got to say, I really love the Nigerian. I want to encourage more growers, especially not necessarily commercial growers, but medical patients and people who are growing for themselves should really consider one of these real nice African sativas. And I really think Nigerian represents the best of, of that world. All right, Mike Hughes, do we have reader questions from Twitter? Remember, Oh, Danny, yes. The, the right. Twitter is ablaze with nice, questions. Nice, nice. I love everywhere. answering these questions because uh, they're – they're always a little different from the ones I get for the magazine. There's some, some humor and some, some interesting questions that I maybe wouldn't answer in print, but I'm happy to do uh, uh, on the show. So with, uh, let's, uh, let's go to the first question from Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. We got a Jake Baked 420 and he wants to know, uh, what's your favorite Kush and Haze strain? So I guess maybe your, your favorite Kush and then your favorite Haze strain. Okay, well, you know what? We'll start off with a pretty easy one because my favorite Kush is OG Kush. I know uh, our guest Addison would probably agree with that one as well. I really love the OG, the real OG. And there's a bunch of variations on it, but that original OG Kush is just nothing cuts through the fog in the way that that does. It's really just amazing in taste, in uh, odor, and in potency. I love the OG for, from the Kush family. And as far as a haze, I think I'd have to go with Neville's haze. It's it's rare and it's hard to find. It's the original uh, Neville Schoenmacher from uh, the Seed Bank. And he was one of the, the founders, basically, of this whole seed industry. And uh, uh, originally from Australia. But he was in Amsterdam in the 80s. 
And, and his Neville's Hayes really set the standard for sativas that were available at that time. And if you can get your hands on it, which is not easy to do, I think Neville's Hayes will really show you uh, a whole new world of, uh, of sativa energy and, and not too tough to grow either. So I'd go with Neville's Hayes for that. All right. Hopefully that answered Jake Baked 420's question. And we got a chemo that dude one. And he wants to know, uh, how do you make plants have nice sturdy bases and nice buds? Well, uh, the short answer to that is, is a lot of planning. If you want plants to stay short, uh, you got to keep your lights close to the plants. So, you know, within a foot or so, maybe between a foot and 18 inches for most uh, high intensity discharge grow lights. And so, and you're doing that, you're raising the light as the plant grows. You don't want the plant to reach for the light. You want the plant to grow with the light. That'll go a long way to keeping it short. There's also a lot of different trimming and pruning techniques that you can use to keep it short. And as far as getting nice buds, you provide the plant with everything it needs and you'll get nice buds in return. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a lot longer of a question uh, or an answer than I can give right now. But I would basically say if you want a sturdy base, uh, you know, keep the plants short and stocky by pruning and trimming during the vegetative stage and keeping the light close to it. And, uh, you know, beat it up a little bit. You know, you can, you can bend the, the stalks. You can do all kinds of things to strengthen them. And having some wind, you know, a fan blowing on the plant will, will go a long way to thickening up that stalk as well. All right, very good. Uh, next question is Mocha Man 1. Uh, Mocha Man 1 wants to know, uh, well, it's his first time growing inside, and he wants to know uh, what's the best HID light for a 4x3 closet? Okay, well, HID lights are divided into two uh, basic grow lights. Uh, the metal halide light, uh, which is a bit whiter and bluer, and the high-pressure sodium light, which is kind of a more of a yellowy, reddish light. Um, basically to mimic the fall. So for a th four by three closet, uh, you know, and since you're a beginner, I definitely wouldn't go with the 600 or a thousand watt light in that space because it's just too small and you're going to have a lot of issues with heat. I would say a 250 watt high pressure sodium or even a 400 would be okay in that space. You just have to keep in mind when you raise the wattage, you raise the heat level. So you'll get a lot more heat out of the, the 400 than you will out of the 250. But as long as you're able to deal with the heat and vent that, that hot air out, um, the 400 is going to produce uh, bigger buds and a lot more of a yield for you. Um, since you're a beginner though, I think I'm going to lean towards the 250 watt high pressure sodium uh, if, you, if you're getting two lights or if you want to get mixed spectrum, there's some lights out there like the, uh, that will mix a little metal halide in with that high-pressure sodium. That's probably your best bet if you have one light. If not, use a 250 metal halide uh, during vegetative and then switch to a 250 high-pressure sodium for flowering. And I think you'll have the, the best success in your four-by-three-foot space. All right, there you go, Mocha Man One, and I, I think we got time for one more. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, let's let's uh, just do one more. Do another one. All right, uh, Papa Indica. This is a he has a question for you. I need a good name for an orange male kitten. Something stoner. Any <laughs> ideas? I, I have one. I have an idea. <laughs> well, we came up with some. I I I, uh, I talked to some people here. Uh, we thought of Calio, uh, Tangerine. 
Um, Citral was one of the ones we came up with. A few other people on Twitter had some suggestions like marmalade and, and a few other ones. But I think yours was the best. What, what, did you, what was the name you came up with, Mike? Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Eric Stoltz. Name the cat Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Eric Stoltz is the name of your orange male cat. And it is both stoner and hip uh, and funny. And so, vaguely, vaguely orange also. Vaguely orange. Yeah. Absolutely. So. He's a ginger. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Those are the Twitter questions. Please send us your questions. How do they get in touch, Dan? They get in touch by tweeting me at Danny Danko or using the hashtag, hashtag free weed or preferably both because I'll notice uh, – I'll notice them all that way. And, uh, you know, as usual, you can get your Dear Danko questions answered here. Or if you have uh, something longer, uh, I will answer it in our issue. And right now we have our October issue for sale. And uh, Nico's Cannabis Cup preview is in there. We've got a great, that great interview we talked about earlier with uh, Elijah Wood. And uh, just a whole bunch of grow info in that issue. So get out there, get your October issue. Print is not dead. We've got great cannabis photographs, things you can't get on the internet. Get out there, get the get the issue, put the centerfold up on the wall, and uh, and get your free weed. We will be back after this break with an interview with a cannabis scientist. I mean, this guy actually wears a lab coat to work and uh, works in a marijuana laboratory. His name is Addison. He works with Steep Hill Labs and we'll be talking to him all about all kinds of aspects of cannabis science. Welcome back, everybody. I am now talking with Addison DeMora of Steep Hill Laboratories. They are uh, at the forefront of laboratory testing of cannabis. Welcome, Addison. Hey, how's it going, Dan? Good, good. I, uh, I guess we can call this segment Talking Trichomes because I think you know, I'd really like to get into some of the science with you. Um, sure. One of the things that's most exciting to me about the last few years of uh, – you know, of, of the medical marijuana scene is, has been this uh, rise in laboratories and gas chromatography testing. Uh, and I think you guys are, you know, right there. Um, you know, I think we might have been the, uh, I think we may have been the first. We're the, the lucky Indian, the first Indian up the hill to catch all the arrows. <laughs> so it's been, uh, been kind of an interesting role. But no, it's, it's, we always joke about now how you see the potency being so prevalent. Um, you know, in every dispensary in multiple states. And um, it's kind of a rad thing. I think it's, it gives patients the same ability that they do when they walk into, or they have when they walk into CVS and they're buying aspirin. So Yeah, exactly. Except nice cannabis team. is actually safer than aspirin, I believe. Uh, there's a <laughs> seven yeah. or 800 yeah, deaths no a death. year <laughs> caused by aspirin. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I also... Uh, um, it, are the labs getting to the level where you can test for... for um, you know, mold and, and pesticides and things like that, too? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing we saw come on was the, the potency, and that's great to see because patients can uh, use that to self-titrate. But then the, the next great thing we saw was uh, that we that we were lucky enough to bring in with the mold testing, uh, some bacterial testing as well. Uh, the mold's important because you've got molds that are, 
um, sporulating, you know, so there's uh, certain types of mold like aspergillus, which uh, can cause aspergillosis in immune deficient patients. Once we saw that, we said, you know, we found some cases online about that occurring. And although cannabis has never killed anybody, the mold on cannabis has killed people. So we, we saw that, recognized it, and were able to, uh, you know, come up with some of the first microbiological tests available to patients. And then just short after that, um, through our good friend and your friend as well, Angel Rach, and her necessity to, to use cannabis that doesn't have pesticide because she has a, a reaction to it, we recognized that as well and then delivered uh, to the industry the first pesticide analysis test. So, And I think in the future we'll start seeing, uh, you know, the guys from Full Spectrum were smart enough to put together some of the, the heavy metal tests, and uh, now there's guys doing trace residue analysis tests on some of the great butane uh, and BHOs that we see, and it's just going and going and going. And wow. terpenoid analysis is next, and... <laughs> You know, there's the new PCR analysis for genetic testing that can be done, and uh, it's just getting out of control at this point. It <laughs> seems like everyone, everyone's got a lab, and uh, everyone wants to test your stash. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's thing. really exciting because um, at some point we'll be able to really, uh, you know, quantify and qualify all of the things, the many different uh, uses for cannabis in general. And I think one of the more recent things has been this whole, uh, you know, CBD thing. Um, I know you guys, you guys test for THC levels, CBD, and CBN. Um, I wanted to definitely talk to you a little bit about um, CBD and, and, and why it's important for medicinal purposes. And also um, something I learned from you about CBN, which was that it's sort of a measure of the degradation of the cannabis, I guess. Uh, yep. Yeah, the environmental, uh, the environmental will break it down, the THC itself, and that's the, the waste material from that is CBN. That's and so if the fresh C- or something is, the right. lower the CBN level. And if CBN levels are higher than like a percentage, it's like, uh, you know, maybe more than a year old. Uh, that. Like that freshness data on your Budweiser. <laughs> yeah. Kind of um, same idea. And then, you and know, the CBD, other thing too about cannabinoids. Oh, yep. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Actually, go ahead. What were you going to say about cannabinoids? You know, the, the ones that we're talking about now are, uh, are everything that is being seen in GC analysis. And uh, a lot of people, some people don't know, but fecal also does HPLC, which is liquid chromatography. And that's, uh, when you start to do that type of analysis, you get to see the cannabinoids in their acidic forms before they decarboxylate and, and convert into delta-9 THC. So you're looking at THCA, which is THC acid. Uh, CBG and, and other cannabinoids that are in that acidic form, um, and it's real interesting because you get to look at that stuff. I'm actually having lunch right now with the guys uh, 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 from External here in California. They make an external acid-rich, uh, cannabinoid-rich uh, spray, and it works, and everyone loves it, and no one can figure it out. And then when you test it on the GC, there's no active compounds in it because it's only acids. So it's a really interesting product. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of a window into that may be what's big and what's next to some of these acidic cannabinoids um, and how you can take cannabis in the raw form without it being activated uh, by heat, and you get a lot of medicinal value from that in conjunction with or, you know, in combination with the terpenoids and the other stuff that's in there. So when the cannabinoids and terpenoids can work together, it's just it's mind-blowing, you know, from, from Rick Simpson's oil to these guys and their topical that they have and everything else. Right. Well, uh, you remember uh, in San Fran, we, we did that juice, uh, cannabis leaf oh, juice. Yes, I you remember. Know? And those that. are that the living enzymes sick. and acids you're talking about, I believe, is yep. like 
straight. I had a great feeling after that. I don't know yeah. about you. You looked like you were happy. Yeah, no, it definitely lifted my spirits. I, I felt it yeah. in my body mostly, and I think that's where those, uh, you know, kind of living enzymes and acids are going to probably hit you more yep. than like in the head and in the cerebral manner. Uh, and I think yeah. that's what makes it most effective for the for patients, you know, suffering from seizures and tremors and things like that. Well, another interesting thing about products like that is because they don't have active THC in them, they can be in stores. You know, you can have a product like that, and I think that's what we're going to see in the next, you know, three to five years, or maybe even sooner, is these products that only have terpenoids, only have the acids. Um, you know, CBD isn't isn't a Schedule One. That's, that's different. You know, you can have that product with terpenoids in a tincture and buy the whole foods. Right. So without, I think you'll with, start to see without THC. Yeah, without the THC. Right. And, and, you know, if you take, uh, I was talking uh, uh, with a guy, a big cannabis guy out of California, and he was talking about how uh, myrcene, you know, which is a terpenoid in cannabis, and they did a study, and you, you, certain fruits have a lot of myrcene in them. And, you know, they, they brought myrcene to people in the form of a mango, and they ate mangoes, and then they went and smoked cannabis afterward, and it gives you a, uh, an accelerated effect. Uh, I know that Sensi Seeds is about to... Uh, embark on a really interesting uh, terpenoid uh, research program in the U.S. Um, that I had heard about the other day. So there's, well, you know, all these, terp- excuse me, all these terpenoids are going to start to, uh, we'll see those in products. And, you know, it, it, I think what we may eventually see too, based on, you know, laboratories and analysis, which may see people to start to develop products like a cologne that smells like Koji Kush. And, you know, me, I love OG Kush. We're here in California. You know, you get into the genetic testing, you start to look at OG. We can sort out all these thousands of OGs that we have now and see what's what, whether it is an OG, where it comes from. So it's, you know, lab analysis is really starting to make a major difference in how all of us, uh, you know, cannabis guys in the industry look at this plant we've seen for years and how it's distributed. And now the big thing when it comes to analysis is, uh, and, you know, product from Steepo. It's a, a brand new program that we have, uh, you know, collectors test cannabis and they send it into dispensaries and there's a bottleneck and there's an issue and it always takes time to get results back. Well, we're introducing a brand new uh, uh, unit that we call the RT unit that goes into dispensaries. It does uh, potency analysis for the collective in their location uh, within 80 seconds. So you can pre-qualify the product when it comes in the door. So now we're getting into... Uh, and what we did was we took some technology from another industry and retrofit it and built it out and hooked it up uh, and, and plugged it into the, you know, 23,000 samples that we've done and the data that we have so that we can run it. Uh, so now that's a new product that we're doing. What that's going to do is um, it, it'll incorporate into the POS systems for the collectors. It'll allow collectors to, to know the potency of cannabis before they purchase it. So now you'll start to see what we're already seeing in California now is when you go in, the trend of what's in the bar or on the bar that sells the fastest is the most potent. That's what patients want. They want, you know, bang for their buck. So with this new machine going into collectives, it'll allow collectives to only buy the most potent stuff, to only put what patients want on the shelf, and it'll further um, strengthen the, the, the whole entire idea of patients purchasing based on a cannabinoid profile and not on just a fancy name. Mm-hmm. It may have the same name, but now if I'm a baby bloomer and I want OG because I like that taste, I can get a you know an eight percent THC uh, strength OG, so I could use that during the day, and then I get my twenty percent for at night and at the bridge game or something. And um, you know this machine is going to change the way purchasing is done. It's going to change the quality of the product that's in the collective, but it's also going to have effect on people that don't adapt to this. Start using this machine, they'll start getting 
the product that isn't being pre-screened that, that was, you know, denied, that'll start going into the other collectives that aren't necessarily uh, take up into the new direction with, with different technologies. So uh, laboratories have a major effect on the industry, and I think it's, uh, it's just getting more and more in-depth than I ever thought or, or David ever thought. You know, we, we, when we first did this, we were growers, and we just said, hey, we're going to – so that we can – bag on our friend who doesn't grow wheat as good as us. And, <laughs> and then it kind of turned into this whole thing. It was really, um, I have to be honest, it was a little selfish in the beginning, um, you know, because there was a competition between NorCal and SoCal. But it's grown into this really great thing. Now it's this really rich industry. And now we look at it, and it's kind of rad. You know, you, you wake up and you go to work and you look at this and you go, wow, before we did this, it didn't exist. Um, you know, I haven't, I've got a lot of free lunches, which is really nice, but, um, you know, you, you get that. That's the good part of it. I mean, you see the livelihood around it and people, you know, running successful businesses, and it's a good thing. I think competition is, is good. It's good for, uh, you know, for, for to keep people honest and to keep things going, and it's just growing. It's, it's insane. You know, I, I can imagine that they'll be testing cannabis in, uh, you know, New York soon, once the laws change, and, yeah. and it'll be great. I hope so. Well, we are talking right now with Addison DeMora of Steep Hill Laboratories. They are a, a lab in Oakland that tests uh, cannabis for dispensaries, um, for THC, for CBD, for CBN, for uh, – and, and – um, you mentioned terpenes earlier. Is that what gives cannabis the, the different flavors like lemony and, and fuel? Yeah, and, flavor and taste. Right. Yep. That comes from terpenes and flavonoids, right? Yep. Uh, terpenoids, flavonoids, and terpenes. Right. Um, because I remember uh, you were telling me another thing about uh, uh, you guys had terpenes that were derived from you know other plant sources. And yeah. uh, you know, you're putting that on top of different, uh, you know, like bong hits and stuff, and actually v- uh, varying the effect oh, of, yeah. of the same yeah. cannabis um, yep. by using various terpenes in conjunction, yeah? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's a, being an educated smoker, you know, somebody who's consumed for, I think, probably you know, 25 years or something and heavily every day, you, you know, you get an understanding of what the high's like and what it feels like. And once you start messing around and dropping terpenoids on the stuff that you're normally smoking, and you see the, the effect. The best way I could explain it is a, a little more of a fuzziness. You know, it kind of has this, we were adding beta-caryophylline and myrcene and other stuff to some of the cannabis that we were smoking uh, and spiking it, so to speak. And it was, uh, the effect was amazing, you know, almost like the juice was for us. It kind of had this other sort of energy that kind of came with the high that wasn't there without it. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And, and, it, and it definitely uh, wasn't a placebo because we tried that. You know, we tried to trick our friends and... Well, you also you mentioned before that um, you know before starting up the lab uh, with David that you you guys were growers, and I guess that's probably where the name mm-hmm. Steep Hill Lab comes from, right? <laughs> and uh, so David owns uh, ninety acres in Mendocino, and the name of his land is Steep Hill. Wow! So it's very steep. It's a little steep finger that goes out into a valley. That's actually amazing for growing herbs. So, well, um, as a know, uh, him. So, oh, go ahead. Um, as a cannabis scientist, um, you know these guys wear lab coats and, and they use what he when he says a GC machine, he's talking about the gas chromatography uh, machine that actually tests all the cannabis. Um, but I was going to ask you, as as a grower and someone who understands the science, 
Do you have any kind of grow tips or recommendations for growers in order to test higher, or is it just all genetic, or does some of it have to do with is it nature or nurture, basically? Um, I think it's you know it's both. It's, it's always going to be both, and I think the best advice I can give any grower, the best tip, is to let it finish. When we see stuff in the studies that we've done with growers when they hire us to, to test their product, um, normally the date that they think it's done, it's done. You know, a good grower knows when it's done and trust your instinct, you know, and, and uh, make sure that it's, uh, once it's done right and it's grown right, make sure it's cured right. You know, take the time to cure it because that's where all the flavor and the taste comes out. That's where those terpenes are going to come out. You're going to get rid of that chlorophyll and allow the, the true flavor and taste to come out, and those genetics will shine when you cure it properly. So the biggest tip would be let it finish and make sure you cure it right because that's so going to make you do all think, the difference. In the you do world. think people take down plants typically a little early? Like do you see uh, immature, yeah. immature trichome formation, or is it uh, just a lack of, of uh, fullness in the uh, profile of, of you know, cannabinoids? It's, it's, a number of things. I think it's a lot of the times, a lot of time that we see stuff that we know there's a problem. When you start asking questions, the issues start with temperature. It's always like, well, I had to pull it early because it got really hot, and you know, it just got hotter, and it was just going to get hotter. So the 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 thing that we normally see is the rooms are hot. That's just is the first problem, and then they go, oh, I'm going to pull it because it's hot, and then it gets taken down early, and it was hot, and you know, so for the guys that can keep it cool, you know, 70s into the 80s and let it finish and, and cure it right is, uh, you know, don't let it get too hot is the first thing. You know, you've got to make sure they, they get to stay at the right temps to stay nice and cool. So. Now, um, do, you, do you, now if people are looking at their, the head of their trichome, do you think they should take it down when most of the heads are, are just starting to get cloudy or after they start to go amber or when they're clear? I mean, obviously when they're clear, they're, they're still immature, but... A little early, yeah. I'd say cloudy into amber. Cloudy into you know, amber. I would always wait. Yeah, I'd wait to see the cloudiness and then more of the cloudiness. And then once I saw the amber uh, combined with getting to see that uh, a higher level of, of uh, cloudiness, that's usually where it's at. And the other thing, too, is you can kind of see with the rest of the plant when, you, when everything else starts to yellow up a bit and, the, you know, the bottom leaves are coming off. And, you know, it's just it's kind of like, okay, it's ready. You know, you just know, so. Right you know. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've spent some time with us too at some high times events uh, over in Amsterdam mm-hmm. as well as uh, uh, San Fran and Denver. Um, what do you What do you think of the cannabis that people are entering into those contests? I mean, you've done some testing of it as well. Amazing. Keep it coming. I mean, it's just <laughs> getting better. I, I remember before all this when I'd go to Holland and go to the Cup and you'd see what was there and you'd always go, "Oh, the stuff is better in the U.S." and since then, it's like, you know, even since the testing's happened in the U.S. and, and the, you know, cannabis in California has gotten stronger in Colorado, I think I've seen better herb, you know, the years after that in, in Amsterdam. And then we saw better herb again in Cali. And so I think it's all just getting better and better. And I think that, you know, my hats go off to the geneticists like DNA and, and uh, you know, Adam and THCs and all those guys because they're, they're making the stuff. And, and busting ass and getting it out to the states, so that's the good part about it. That's, it's the breeders that are really doing the work, so right. we just get to you know, make it grow. Well, um, anything exciting on the horizon? Anything um, besides? I guess we're going to do Detroit. Um, geez, does Steep Hill Labs Amsterdam have? Uh, oh, Amsterdam too. Nice, yeah. excellent. So Steve Detroit, so testing, Detroit in October, in Amsterdam Detroit. in November. Yeah, we'll right have on. the RT unit in Detroit, so we'll be doing. 
at the Cup in Detroit, you can walk up to the Steep Hill booth um, and you can turn in a one-gram sample. We'll run it through the machine for you, tell you the potency, uh, roll it into a joint, and give it back to you. So you can go out into the, the medical area and consume it, and then we'll be doing the same thing in Holland. So, so full-on mobile uh, R2 testing. Real time, real that, time, real time, real time. That is real amazing. time with cannabis. <laughs> that is amazing. Well... Um, my show is called Free Weed because, uh, you know, I want to free the weed. And I think more, the more people grow, the more free it will become. And I know you are uh, also of the same mindset. Um, of course. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, how can people get in touch with you or Steep Hill Labs if they want to, uh, you know, follow your progress or if they want to, you know, get their bud tested or if they want to just find out a little more about um, trichome science? Yeah, the easiest way would be to check us out online at steephilllab.com. Steephilllab.com. Uh, check us out there. Cool. Steephilllab.com, or you can email info at steephilllab.com and give us, uh, send us an email there and an inquiry, and we'll get back in touch with you. And, uh, yeah, check out the webpage and shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Right on. Well, thanks a lot, Addy. Uh, give my best to everybody out there, uh, Anna Ray and David and uh, Wilson and, and all the people at the lab. Uh, keep up the great work. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm, I hope people learned a little something about, uh, you know, cannabis science because that's really what you guys are at the uh, forefront of. And it's really exciting finding out all these things and helping patients and helping people understand more about this wonderful plant. Um, so thanks a lot, Addison. Well, All right. the biggest thing I've learned, I think, in the last couple of years is that cannabis is science. But, uh, <laughs> you can't get one without getting the other. So, yeah, thank you so much cool. for having me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're proud to be the nation's first cannabis analysis lab. Right on. Well, thanks, thanks Addy. Uh, everybody check out steephilllabs.com and uh, stick around. We'll be back. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us here with episode five. I am just ecstatic about this one. We want to thank all of our guests here, um, Mike Sapphire, Debbie Goldsberry, Rob Cantrell, of course, Addison DeMora from Steep Hill Labs. Thank you so much. The show would not be a show without you guys coming on and sharing your knowledge for free for people out here for their free weed. Um, if you want to contact us, check us out. We're online. We're at Facebook. We're on uh, Twitter at Danny Danko, hashtag FreeWeed. We're going to get that into the trending topics soon. Um, the next show is going to be out there. We want you to subscribe. Please get on there and comment too. You know, click, click I like this and and send your friends over and let them know about the show. We're, 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 we want to keep this show going and we want to keep adding more and more of this information to get you more and more free weed. So and we please. apologize for that shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> and we apologize to Eric Stoltz. I think we called him a ginger. I don't know <laughs> Sorry, if we should have done that. Sorry, um, Eric. Are we uh, sorry Perez, for anything else? Hilton, get at me. Not Paris, but Perez. Yeah, we're not sorry um, about that. Yeah, not sorry about that. And hey, come back next week. We're, we've got a great show planned for you guys, and we're very happy you guys are helping us out and we're listening and, and watching. And check out hightimes.com slash free week. 